a call to retire the raider in a Berks County school district. And will health notification apps like the ones used during the height of the coronavirus pandemic be helpful in the future? Welcome to the Morning Agenda, WITF's daily news podcast, where the only agenda is you. A good morning to you. It is Monday, November 20th, and this is being recorded at 9.17 a.m. I'm your host, Tim Lambert, as we take this daily trip around the region's top stories together. So let's get started. A high school student wants a Berks County school district to drop a mascot that is based on a racial stereotype. My colleague Gabriela Martinez reports the student is now part of a lawsuit related to her efforts. The mascot, called the Raider, has an oversized head of an indigenous warrior and a headdress. Sloan Wolf and her older sister have been trying for more than three years to get the district to stop using it. They and other students started a club called Retire the Raider, but Sloan says they had trouble getting the word out. We had a club fair back in 2022, and we had over 50 students sign up that were interested in supporting us. However, because we're not an official school club, we struggle with outreach because we are not publicized on the district website, and we are not able to hang posters in the hallway in the same methods that other students can. Now, the American Civil Liberties Union in Pennsylvania alleges the district violated the First Amendment and the Equal Access Act by not allowing the club members to use district facilities. The students say they want their club recognized and to be able to meet during school hours. Workers worried about their health are applauding a proposal to ban smoking in casinos and bars in Pennsylvania. Zoe Reed from our friends at WHYY in Philadelphia reports on the measure that has now passed a statehouse committee. Table games dealer Michael Denay says he puts his health at risk every day. Smoking law exemptions in Pennsylvania allow people to smoke in casinos, even while they sit at the poker and blackjack tables. Danae says he now works in a non-smoking section, but it doesn't make much difference. He says the smoke travels and his clothes reek. I've known dealers that, that have gotten lung cancer, that have gotten other types of cancer that may be not attributed to heart and lungs. Certainly the environment doesn't help it. Danae hopes lawmakers will move quickly to expand the state's indoor smoking ban to casinos. The legislation, which is sponsored by Representative Dan Frankel, now awaits a vote on the House floor. Democrat Dan McCaffrey is slated to be sworn into the state Supreme Court in January, but my colleague Ben Wasserstein reports spending in the race for the seat on Pennsylvania's highest court this past year cost a record $22 million. The issue of abortion drove much of the influx of cash. McCaffrey had the backing of Planned Parenthood, while Republican Carolyn Carluccio was supported by PA Pro-Life Federation and the Pro-Life Coalition of Pennsylvania. Philip Hensley-Robin is executive director of government reform group Common Cause PA. He says with so much money pouring in, the trend could diminish voters' confidence in elections in the future. When millions of dollars are spent on a judicial election, voters are inevitably going to start to believe that justice is for sale. So McCaffrey's campaign cost around $14 million, while Carluccio's was about $8 million. However, those numbers could change when final campaign finance reports are filed later this month. Remember, The Morning Agenda is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts and on the WITF YouTube channel. And if you like what you hear, 
I ask that you share it with your friends and on your social media channels because you can play a big part in spreading the word about this podcast. So how about a couple of deep dives this morning instead of our usual regional roundup? Let's start with one from our friends at WHYY in Philadelphia. Now, during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, governments around the world turned to apps to warn people if they were close to someone who later tested positive. Now, you may remember more than 20 states had notification apps at one point, including Pennsylvania. But Alan Yu from WHYY takes a look at whether such efforts will be useful in the future. The exposure notification apps use existing Bluetooth technology to keep track of how far away someone was from another person who also had the app. It also sent out alerts if those people later reported themselves as having COVID-19. The Association of Public Health Laboratories helped to manage this program. Senior consultant Emma Sutherf said they were excited about this possibility. Every time a friend or family in another state received an exposure notification, I was always told, and I was always very proud to hear that they had gotten a notification that they were delaying their trip to visit their grandma, that they were going to start testing, that they were monitoring. The association estimates that around 10% of the entire U.S. adult population, millions of people, downloaded an exposure notification app. But for this technology to be effective, governments needed a lot more people to participate. Sadaf says this was something states struggled with. We were building the plane while we were flying it, so to speak. Earlier this year, researchers at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention worked with Pennsylvania health officials to study how much of a difference the app made. They found that from the end of 2020 to the start of 2021, around 5% of the people they surveyed had downloaded that app. Of the people who tested positive for COVID-19 in their survey, only 0.2% of people had used the app. The researchers found that this limited how effective the app could have been. The state shut down the apps last year. But in Delaware, trying out ways to notify people who have been exposed to the virus led to something that worked better. During their biggest surge in January 2022, public health officials could not keep up with calling all the contacts of people who tested positive. They realized that people liked using their phones and probably would like getting text messages more than using an app. So they did contact tracing by texting people links to an online platform. Delaware Public Health Resource Officer and former director of contact tracing, Tracy Johnson, says that was a hit. That text messaging piece was a lifesaver. She says hopefully there will not be another pandemic soon, but if there is, they're going to go with text messages. Once again, that was Alan Yu from our friends at WHYY in Philadelphia. Now let's go across the state to southwestern Pennsylvania, where for years people have complained about a hazardous waste landfill in Westmoreland County. Reed Frazier is with our partners at the Allegheny Front, which is based in Pittsburgh, and he reports a federal environmental investigation finds it may be breaking several laws. In March, investigators with the EPA's National Enforcement Investigation Center paid a visit to Max Environmental's hazardous waste landfill in the tiny town of Yukon. 
The NEIC investigators found nearly two dozen instances where the landfill appeared to be violating federal environmental law. These included improper treatment of hazardous waste, leaks and spills, and subpar protections of toxic waste piles. James Cato is with the Mountain Watershed Association. The observations uh, that the NEIC folks uh, discovered are shocking, um, in, in my opinion. And yet, at the same time, um, I'm, I'm not surprised. Cato's organization has advocated on behalf of Yukon residents who've complained about odors and runoff from the landfill for years. His group recently found the investigative report in public records on file with the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection. This was a sort of window into something that we've always wondered, which is like, what if we could get up there and actually see what's going on at this facility? Uh, We don't have the ability to do that. Um, However, you know, this this sheds light on a lot of the concerns uh, that that the community has had. The landfill was first opened in the 1960s to take waste from the region's steel industry. It's still permitted to dispose of hazardous waste on site after treating it to make it less toxic. The EPA investigators found this treated waste was still too toxic to be buried. The waste they sampled failed to meet federal standards for lead, cadmium and thallium. One sample had 1,300 times the allowable limit for cadmium, which the EPA classifies as a probable human carcinogen. Something's happening that's, that's causing their waste to, to still be hazardous um, after treatment. Um, so, so something's going wrong there. The investigators also found that a waste storage building had holes in the roof and walls. They observed rainwater landing on piles of hazardous waste and pooling on the building's floor. Inside a house a few hundred yards from the landfill, I pull out a laptop and read some of the report to Katie Cross. Hazardous waste containment building. The leak detection tube at the northeast corner is not currently accessible because it is covered by backfill. So there's no way for them to even know if like the stuff is leaking. Cross grew up here. She can reel off names of people who've died of cancer, COPD, and other ailments, and she suspects the hazardous landfill is to blame. She and others in town packed a hearing last year to oppose the landfill's expansion plan, which it ultimately withdrew. After seeing the report, she thinks the landfill should be shut down. So you're not following any of your regulations, you're doing all these violations, and you're still operating, and it, it doesn't seem like anything's happening. A spokesperson for Max Environmental, the landfill's owner, said it disagrees with the EPA's assertion that it's improperly treating its waste. But he said it was trying to fix some of the deficiencies to its treatment building and operations that were noted in the report. Cato of the Mountain Watershed Association said he hopes the investigation will result in some type of enforcement action. I'm glad that, you know, folks have turned an eye toward this facility, which, you know, residents have said is a problem for so long. Um, It turns out the residents were right. It is a problem. Um, Okay, now what are we going to do about it? An EPA spokesperson said the agency does not comment on, quote, potential or pending enforcement actions. The Pennsylvania DEP at press time did not respond to requests for comment. Meanwhile, Max Environmental is running out of room at its Yukon landfill and is seeking to open a new facility, but it hasn't said where. For the Allegheny Front, I'm Reed Frazier.
Just want to give a quick mention to the success of Lancaster County's annual biggest day of online giving, the Extra Give. It raised nearly $9 million for hundreds of nonprofits. Now, our sister newsroom, LNP Lancaster Online, reports when the annual 24-hour event wrapped up on Friday, some $8.9 million was raised for 453 organizations. Disclosure, that includes WITF. Now, more than 23,000 donors donated to organizations in Lancaster County. The Lancaster Conservancy, which is an accredited land trust that protects and restores natural lands for future generations, raised the most money, just over $400,000. All right, let's turn to what is the best song you are thinking about right now. What's the one that's rattling around in your brain? Reach out to me on Twitter and let me know all about it. Or Blue Sky, I'm at TLambert895 on both of those platforms. You can always email me if you'd like, Tim underscore Lambert at WITF.org. And be sure to check out our Spotify playlist for this month. It's called The Morning Agenda Song of the Day, November 2023. And my pick for the day is there right now. It's Orville Peck's turn to hate. And that is going to do it for The Morning Agenda. It's a daily news podcast from WITF, where the only agenda is you. I'm your host, Tim Lambert. Thank you so much for listening today. Your company is always appreciated. Be well, enjoy the rest of the day, and we'll talk again tomorrow.